0: You know, one of the reasons that we talk about prayer so much and one of the reasons that we, among many reasons, and a lot of them I've shared already this morning, but another one of the reasons that we devote the very first part of our year to talk just about prayer uh, centers around the place that we find ourselves in as a culture. I was listening to some different sermons and some different podcasts and some different uh, secular information that really had nothing to do with the church, and just jotted down a couple things that I was hearing uh, different people say about this secular moment that we find ourselves in, about this era in which we live, and however you want to define that. But are you aware that we live in the most anxious nation on earth? One of the most affluent and yet one of the most anxious, the most anxious. Think think about some of these things that that I just was hearing and just mind-blowing. One in five people struggle with a mental health issue due to anxiety. One out of every five people. Chances are at some point in your life you have struggled with some kind of mental health issue, whether it's severe or not, uh, in relation to anxiety. Medication to treat anxiety have doubled in sales over the last three years. Completely doubled. Listen to this. 25% of children between 13 and 18 have anxiety-related disorders. The average child today... This might be the most mind-blowing to me. The average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. So, we live in an anxious moment. And so, it is important for those of us in the body of Christ, those of us that call Jesus Lord... Right? If he's Lord and he's given us avenues in which to seek his face and be in his presence, and if he is in fact the Prince of Peace, then we have to be about it. Right? Like there is no shortcut to the throne room of grace, as Hebrews tells us, for mercy and help in our time of need when in fact it is so simple. It's so simple and yet so profound, right? What what we began talking about last week was that the average Old Testament Christian would be flabbergasted by our access within the altar of God, into the throne room of grace, into God's presence. Absolutely flabbergasted, jealous, and frankly shocked at our anxiety when we have access like that. Now, I'm, I'm not downplaying legitimate diagnosis of anxiety. Those are real. I've dealt with them. And there, there are a lot of things that we need for that. And there are professionals, and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the day-to-day anxieties of life that Scripture talks about that we are repeatedly told to bring back into the presence of God and before His people, right? Over and over and over again. We're told those things like carry each other's burdens and in this way fill the law of Christ. We're told that if you're sick to come to the church and have the elders pray over you, We're going to do that with Kara at the end of this sermon. So, like, those things are available, right? But how often we pull those things back into our control. And so today, what what I want to do is just have a really practical conversation with you and with me surrounding life, our life. Because life has sped up and it's not going anywhere, right? And everybody's not just going to ditch their technology tomorrow and act like it never happened. Like we're here and it's, we're going to stay here. But life has sped up and it's to the point where we're trying to cram multiple lifetimes into one. Right? I'm going to use my 20s to do these things. I'm going to use my 30s to do that. I'm going to use my 40s to do that. And then didn't you know 60 is the new 50? Right? Like, we just like, see ours, amen <laughs> But But we, we create these things because we just more, more, faster. And not all of that's bad. There's plenty that is good. And I am using technology as we speak. So I'm I'm not anti, there are many of you watching online that couldn't join us otherwise. So it's, there is this mixture as is life on the earth, right? We talk about this way, we want to see the good while drawing near to what's broken, right? Because light shines brightest in the darkness. And so all of these things are reality, But for a lot of us, myself included, there there are moments and times where we have voluntarily stepped into a place where our peace gets sabotaged. So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? With an already sabotaged peace, right? Because... None of this is going anywhere for the foreseeable future. What do you do with that? So last week we were suggesting that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, right? Because that's what he says. I've come that you might have an abundant life, right? So that, that is a promise. That's an offer that Jesus makes to you. That if you'll abide in him and he in you, that you will bear much fruit. That those things are real, those are legitimate offers from God. But if you want the life of Jesus, the life that Jesus offers, it must be accompanied by the lifestyle that Jesus lived. And therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. If you want the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle. Of Jesus, and so what was that? I showed you a graphic last week from a guy named John Tyson that I think is really helpful. So put that back up on the screen here. Uh, it went like this in the rhythm of Jesus' ministry: that he would engage in ministry, and you just read the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just he never left the ministry, but he also never burned out within the ministry. Significant things he's doing. Right? casting out demons healing people causing the lame to walk dying on the cross and then oh by the way rising from the dead he was doing real things all the time so it's not that Jesus didn't engage with people or that he didn't serve and love and do he was a doer and he inspired James to write that without faith your works are what? dead dead So we are pro-activity here. We are pro-working for Jesus. But we are keenly aware that without withdrawal and refill, the engaging in ministry runs dry. It runs dry. Because let's let's just point out the obvious, right? And I did last week. If the Son of God needed to withdraw and pray... How much more do you and I need to withdraw and refill? It is only logical. Only logical. You know, one, one passage that, that shows us so clearly is in Luke 5. And the context is that Jesus has just healed a man with leprosy. Okay, so leprosy was nasty. It would like eat away your limbs and your face. And it would just, it would literally eat your body. And so, those people with leprosy would be cast out of the city and they would have leper colonies. And so, this guy was uh, as much of an outcast as you could possibly be. There wasn't a worse (laughs) diagnosis to be alive and not have anybody. And so he just healed a guy of leprosy and then like Jesus did at the beginning of his ministry, he wasn't ready for the word to get out quite yet and he tells this guy, don't tell anybody. It's like, yeah, right. You just, like I was a leper. Nobody's seen me in X amount of years or days or months or whatever it was and I'm going to roll back into town. News is going to get out. And so it does. And so look at what happens here in Luke chapter 5, Verse 15. So right on the heels of him healing this guy and telling him not to let the word get out, here's what happens. Verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more. And that's pretty much the way it went. The news spread all the more. And then listen to this. So that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So so they, they wanted Jesus the preacher And they wanted Jesus the healer. They needed both of those things, right? Because we do know that you can be healed physically and not be healed spiritually. And you're not healed. And so, both of these realities happening and Jesus is the right guy for the job. Can I get an amen in church today? He was the right guy for the job. And yet, look what he chooses to do. So critically important. But... Jesus how much often often ministries increasing so is Jesus withdrawing Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed critically important even even our modern day uh, voices on creating habits and practices and rhythms are saying the same thing. One of the most popular right now is a guy named James Clear. He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. And here's what, here's what he says, and he, he is not a believer in Jesus. Here's what he says. Goals don't determine your success. Systems determine success. You can set whatever goal you want to set, but if you will not produce a rhythm or a system right the secular word is system the spiritual word is rhythm right so let's talk about refill right if it's engage withdraw refill let's talk about refill what what does refilling your tank look like how do you bring peace back into the realm of possibility? This is a ver- very real issue. This is an issue that I struggle with. To, to line up my life with these things that I clearly see and believe that Jesus is teaching. Because Luke 5, 15 and 16 is not just a description. It's an invitation for you to build your life in the way that Jesus did because one of the one of the things that as we talk about rest and rhythm and, and all those things that we talk about and slowing down and doing all these things is like yeah but like there's still things I have to do right like you know like I I can want to be in solitude but my three kids god bless them they don't believe in solitude <laughs> so you fill that in for you, whether it's work or your phone or whatever the case may be. It's going to be different for all of us. But the reality is is that Satan, if he can't get you to sin, he'll just keep you busy, right? And so we have to come back to this place. But how do we get to, in this secular age, in this land of distractions, some of them good... How do we answer that invitation to abide in Christ? How do we get there? I think that this text right here offers us four paths back to peace. Right here from Jesus himself walking us back to this place and none of them require you to quit your job, leave your family or any of the things. Right? Like you can right now carve these things in and I say carve because it might take a knife into your life to carve them in, right? Because if you're anything like us, we've got the schedule, like things are full. And when they're not full, we're tired. (laughs) So it's going to require carving them in. But I want you to know that even though this kind of rhythm is difficult in our society, it is not impossible, and I want you to know that. I want you to believe that. And I want you to see that. That even if it means setting your alarm for 15 minutes earlier, that is carving out the time. I had a psychology professor in college who like, talked about that. And I was like, man, sometimes I just can't fall asleep. And then I think about not falling asleep. And then I can't fall asleep even more. She's like, listen, those 15 minutes that you're thinking about it, They're not going to matter anyway. Even if you were asleep for those 15 minutes, it's not going to affect the outcome of your night. It's like, I like that. So even if you are setting your alarm 15 minutes earlier, to put these things into practice, start there and begin to work that muscle. But here they are, straight from the life of Jesus, four paths back to peace. Number one is the very first thing that it says, often, often. Because this is a relational thing, right? Like, what, what, who was Jesus stealing away to spend time with? His, his what? His Father, right? God the Father, right? We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Son is stealing away to spend time with His Father. That's significant Because when you have a good relationship with your father, you want to return to that place often. And I recognize that not everybody in this room had a good father. But you do have a good father in God. And it is a place where you can return to over and over. So frequency is the key here. And in other places in the New Testament, we're told to pray without ceasing. To always be in prayer. To pray constantly. But what does that look like often returning to the place? And, and I think it's so significant that as the pace of ministry is picking up, right? As these crowds are coming and they legitimately needed Jesus, so did his rhythm of withdrawal. I think Luke is writing this in such a way that there is a stark contrast. Crowds are coming and Jesus is leaving. (laughs) Important. Because you and I can also fall into the trap we're thinking that everybody needs us at every moment. That we're the savior of the world. Even if it's just that little world at work or that little world at home or that little world with your friends or whatever the case may be, at the end of the day, there is a savior and you are not it. Super important, and and you might be smiling at that, but in reality, if you would watch your life and how many things you're holding on to, because you can do it better, it's telling. It's telling. And so, he doesn't stop doing ministry. In fact, right after this, he goes right back out and starts doing ministry. So he doesn't stop the ministry. Right? Like every one of us is gifted to do ministry. We believe that to the core of who we are here. Look at Ephesians 2.10. It's one of my favorites. It'll be on the screen for you. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You were literally made for work. Good work in Christ, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this is not an anti-work conversation or sermon, but this is a reminder, an invitation to join what God is doing in the renewal of all things and not just what you and I want to do, which is so difficult. But listen, it was often that Jesus made space for prayer and and not just like when it says pray always when Paul says pray always like that can be on the fly in the car with your kids before school right like we say that pray first right seek first the kingdom of God everything else will be added so like when it, like you you driving somebody somewhere pray for them. you're somebody says something to you that they need prayer pray for them right there like pray like doesn't take long it's on the fly but this Jesus is intentionally pausing a part of his day to pray. And it was frequent. It was who he was. It became the fabric of his ministry. And so often. Number two, the second word there is withdrawal. Also important withdrawal. Jesus chose to remove himself from the situation. Are you, do you, are you aware that that changes your perception of reality? Like even when I parent my kids, like if they're like freaking out about something, if I will physically pick them up, walk them outside, sit them outside... Their whole demeanor changes. Now, it didn't solve the problem, but you see a different perspective. And so what Jesus is modeling here is that you can remove yourself from the distractions. You can remove yourself from the situation and gain a different perspective. Right? Like, on, like let's see what I wrote down. On, J- on June 29, 2007, all of this changed for every single one of us. You know why? You know what happened on June 29th? 2007, the very first one of these guys came out. The iPhone was born, and everything changed, right? And so you may be an anti-iPhone, anti-Apple person, and you'd be an Android person, and we'll pray for you after the service too, but everything changed because the smartphone was born, right? And now, like, like I can't do my, I can't spend time with Jesus if this thing's anywhere near me, right? Like, bing! like always right and it's like well you can turn your notifications off yeah but then it's just like you you know they're piling up (laughs) they're piling. they're there those bubbles they're they're going up right none of them matter but they're piling up (laughs) right so so it's turning the notifications off it's moving away but maybe for you it's it's your laptop it's work or maybe for you it's your kids or maybe for you it's a relationship or you know it's who knows maybe you're in college and it's it's the schoolwork and it's the all the things wherever you find yourself often withdrawing from those things is significant the point i think from this passage is that jesus was intentionally creating a rhythm where he would remove himself To be with God. He was carving out space and he knew that it needed to be physical, right? Because we believe in embodied gospel. Like Jesus didn't just send power, right, so that you and I could be made right with him. He came. He could have probably done it any way he wanted to, but because of his character, he came to us. And so, same here. Withdrawal. Very important. And then and then number three it says to a to lonely places right solitude solitude we are not good at solitude at all (laughs) it's very difficult because of the pace at which we get information now it's very difficult for us to slow down and be still but uh just another another place in mark chapter one a different scenario than what luke five had look look at what jesus does Verse 35 of Mark chapter 1. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, you can almost like see, like, Mark's like, yeah, it was still dark. Like, I'm not kidding. It was very early. Yes, it was still dark. I know that's hard. Like, he says it twice. Jesus got up, and it doesn't say that he prayed. What does it say? He got up and what? Left the house. Important. He's physically, intentionally creating this rhythm. He gets up, leaves the house, and goes off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. That's why he got up and left the house to pray, right? Because how many of you know, when you get up, there's going to be people looking for you. So he's out of there. I love that. And I also love Jesus' response here. I think it's important. Right? He's not like, guys, I was praying. What's wrong with you? It's not what he says. Right? So he says, everyone, look at Jesus. replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he doesn't negate the need or the people looking for him. He joins them. But he had to have that moment before verse thirty-nine. He was traveling throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Oh, that little tidbit, <laughs> you know, like he's like, "I'm going to go pray. I'm going to get up early and go pray." Where, where are you? We're looking for you. Okay, I'm coming. And driving out demons, right? Like he was right into it. Super important. So solitude lonely place and then finally number four we get down to the reality that he was carving those things out to what? to pray to pray it's why it's why we are doing 21 days of prayer at the beginning of our year not because we want you to pray for 21 days and then stop right? we want you to create the rhythm we've provided the resource and we're joining together at the same time so that we will develop this rhythm, that we would take out the whittling knife and carve this space into our daily rhythm, right? Because Mark one thirty-five says where he prayed. uh, Luke 5 says he withdrew and prayed. So next week we'll talk about prayer itself and how to pray and what to pray and the different kinds of prayer because Scripture says pray always and in all kinds of prayer. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about the activities and resources that you have in Scripture about just prayer. But you can have all of those things. You can have all of those goals. You can have all of those resources and still not pray, right? Because we live in the land of information, (laughs) But two more quotes for you. One by John Maxwell, leadership expert. He says, I can predict the long-term outcome of your success if you show me your daily habits. Show me what you do on a daily basis and I'll show you what your success will be. Craig Rochelle, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Okay? And what I want you to know today is that just like Jesus, that is true for you spiritually. It is, it is very much a reality that you could gain the whole world and lose your soul. That you could take those two quotes from John Maxwell and Craig Rochelle and apply them to your life and you could gain the whole world. I, I really believe that. some of you are actively doing that and it's a good thing but a good thing can become a bad thing when it is in replacement of Jesus. And so so just very practically speaking, the intentional rhythms that you create, and for many of you, if not all of you sitting in this room and watching online, they will make you successful But will they make you successful in the most important area of your life? That is the question I'm setting in front of you today. Jesus was getting the accolades. He was getting the crowds. He was doing amazing things that nobody had ever seen before. And yet, he often withdrew to lonely places to pray because you need to be successful in the most important aspect of your life and that is life with Jesus amen carve out the time to pray that's it you got to carve it out and if you won't, you'll be successful at the wrong things. But if you will, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. And there's this abundant life full of fruit. Because he's the Prince of Peace. So I want to I take another moment to pray with you. I'm going to have the band come up. They're going to play. We're going to sing another song here in a second. But while they're coming, I I think think it's a waste of your time if you come here and you listen to me and you sing the songs and you pray the prayers, but don't take inventory of where you're at. Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you spending time in prayer and if you're not like what better place to begin that rhythm than with your church family than together as the body because listen we we are seeing prayers answered we're seeing God show up he's moving in our midst he's healing people he's answering he is here But you have to, right, what's the scripture say? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, Jesus says, I will come in and dine with you and you with me. The invitation's there.